eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline as he's on his way down to Gillette Stadium is our friend Andy Hart of WEEI.com. He's on the Six Rings postgame show, the Breaking Boston podcast, and anytime anybody needs a day off to go coach their football team, if uh, Andrew Raycroft can't jump in, it is Andy Hart. Hart, good afternoon. <laughs> afternoon, fellas. How's it going? Uh, we are uh, we're good. Hey, we just got done having a bit of a discussion about Steph Diggs and Buffalo. Curious for your thoughts. Uh, Stephen A. Smith has said, uh, oh, you know, he, he wants out. Diggs said, no, I want to retire here and tweeted out that that was all poppycock. But there's something there. Do you think it's legitimate or this is just a, a fire that can easily be put out? I think, uh, first of all, I think you guys had a good discussion. I listened. Um, but I think you put way too much rational thought into it when you're dealing with what I believe at times are irrational athletes. And I think the comparison to the NBA is fine. But it's really just the receivers. You know, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss. Like, we've seen enough of these guys. They're a different breed, some of them. Now, you know, maybe that's a dated uh, example in some of these newer guys. Maybe Jamar Chase isn't that. And maybe Justin Jefferson isn't that. But I think Stephon Diggs is a classic, if you want to call it, diva receiver, mercurial, uh, cuckoo, whatever <laughs> description you want to use. Um, I just I think he's happy until he isn't. And there's always that possibility that something will make him unhappy. And, you know, I talked a little bit with Rich Keith about this last night. I mean, the only place he could want to go to work instead of Buffalo, really, is Kansas City, right? Like, the only place that's an upgrade for him, in my opinion, is Kansas City. Because the only other option would be Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And if he goes there, wow, there's a lot of mouths to feed. I'm not sure he's going to be happy. So, I mean, what exactly could you want, Stefan Diggs, other than you're a typical spoiled diva receiver? And I think that's it because I was just sitting there going, okay, so give him more. And if you give him more, well, then he just wants more after that. So the reality yep. is that they're just, they're, there are that, you know, small percentage of guys that no matter what you do for them, they're just not happy. That's a personality issue, not a team issue. So speaking of the Patriots wide receivers, Andy. 
So we were kind of going through just the numbers, and I see a lot of people doing this as far as uh, those two rookies, the, the Butte and uh, uh, Douglas. Do you think they mm-hmm. keep both or just one? I think it's trending toward both. Um, now, we have a little uh, update as of yesterday. Demario Douglas was a uh, somewhat non-participant in practice. He was up on the rehab field. So we, are, we know injuries can change these situations at any time. And I thought it was strange that he only played three plays uh, against the Packers. Um, and now maybe that's because he got a little dinged up. He had two catches in those three plays. Um, so the health factor of Demario Douglas could be something to keep an eye on. Um, and the upward trend of, of Kayshawn Booty, who I think has been so much better over the last 10 days or so than he was to start camp. I think he has really picked up the pace on his competition, uh, and it's making it a legit. I didn't think it was a legitimate conversation a week and a half ago when fans were already having, because fans have loved Booty. I don't know if it's the name, the LSU thing, the 300-yard game as a freshman, whatever. Fans have been all in on Booty since he was drafted. I saw nothing through like the first eight days of camp. Now he's showing me something. Now he looks like a competitive wide receiver. Um, so if, if Douglas is healthy and you're picking your best 53, yeah, I think you probably have to stick with six receivers. But also, could Tyquan Thornton end up on IR again? And that solves your number problem and you're back down to five. So, uh, But I think all six of those bodies will be, be with the New England Patriots in September. If it comes down to Kayshawn Booty versus Malik Cunningham to make the roster, how's that go down in your mind? I think you, I think you go with uh, Booty. Um, Cunningham is a guy that I just don't know that he's shown enough in anything. Yeah, he had a nice drive. And he probably got porked by the uh, game being suspended in Green Bay. He was probably set to get some fourth quarter, last 10 minutes reps there. And maybe that changes his, his conversation, but... I just don't know enough has been done for him to to warrant a roster spot and to be fearful you don't get him through waivers. Now, we had, we actually had this conversation um, sort of on the sideline at practice yesterday, Mike Giardi, myself, a couple other people. You know, who who is willing to claim Malik Cunningham? Which team is willing to put him on their roster for three weeks ahead of somebody they've been working with or whatever? And really the team we came up with was Arizona a bad football team, a bad roster, and they may look at it as, we don't really have 53 good players anyway. We'll claim Malik Cunningham. We'll develop him as a quarterback. And then eventually we have somewhat similar pieces in Kyler Murray and Malik Cunningham. And maybe that would be a team. Other than that, I think Malik Cunningham is the perfect practice squad player because he hasn't shown me anything as a receiver. I think he's still a developmental athlete in that area. And I think the team has their doubts about his receiver future. And the contributions at quarterback are limited. He's a, he's a gimmick. He's a runner because he's not a very good thrower. So defensively, the, the, uh, the, when camp started, it was all about Marte Mapu, uh, the guy mm. wearing the orange jersey from the small school that can't really have physical contact now. Now he's, now he's cleared to play. Now we can tackle and hit and do everything great. Are we still feeling the same about him? Now that the the green light has been given to him and he can participate in everything? A world out there that has their feelings. I feel like I'm a little like Andy Grish in those ways that sometimes I push back against the narratives that are out there. Um, I'm still intrigued. I was never in love with Mapu. I was intrigued. I, I can see why people would 
would think he has some interesting contributions and position versatility and Belichickian chess piece to him. But he's also a kid out of Sacramento State who you're asking to learn linebacker and safety and defensive back and play the run and cover. I mean, there's going to be a growth period. And that's even with everyone raving about how smart he is and he asks all these questions and he asks questions the veterans wouldn't even think of and they're so impressed. And that's great. We still haven't seen him get out there and and do the job the way you're going to ask him to do it. So am I still intrigued? 100%. Am I confident he is going to be a uh, high-end contributor to this defense? Not at all. I still think there's a lot to be to be seen and to be developed from a young player, but um, he has the, the tools and the versatility to theoretically do the job. Now we just need to see it. Hart, why are the Patriots claiming a defensive tackle off of waivers? They seem to almost have too many numbers at that spot that they're going to have to whittle down. What am I missing, if anything? Well, um, they got pushed around by Green Bay. Not that that's, you know, the be-all, end-all. Ooh, Green Bay ran the ball. Okay, gotcha, got pushed around, whatever. Um, And not that you're making moves just based on that. But there's also kind of the question of, you know, Mike Reese posed this yesterday, and I, I would be stunned, but is Lawrence Guy a potential surprise cut? You know, he's had some contract issues. He's not getting any younger. He's probably, you know, closer to the end than the beginning to the to phrase it the way Brady might. Um, and and maybe there's one of those other guys that have kind of peaked. Um, I like Carl Davis. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy. But some of these other guys, maybe they feel like he's peaked. Or maybe it's just as simple as this is a player that they liked. This is a player that some people thought would have been an intriguing option for them in the draft process. He's available. You take a look at him because you know how Bill always likes to say, well, I've never worked with a player. And, and, you know, it's different once you work with a player on a daily basis. Maybe it's just a guy they want to work with and say he has upside. You know, let's not just assume we have the better players on our roster. Let's bring them in uh, and find out. So I, I, I would probably file it under just sort of that classic cliche due diligence that, there's a player they had some interest in that was available, so now they want to work with him. So we're talking to Andy Hart. Andy, um, is today the last day of open practices until, what, the spring of 2024? Is this the last time you guys are going to be able to view practice from beginning to end? Yep, that's my understanding. Today is the end of training camp. I believe it's practice number 18 that we will have seen, and uh, we will not see a full practice again until next spring sometime. So out of with all that being said, has, has anything stood out to you other than the, the general, like, you know, low-hanging fruit narratives that we see? Is something else that you've seen that you said, huh, I didn't know about that? Anything that you can put your finger on? Hmm, that's a very vague, wide-ranging yeah. question that I was not prepared for. We should have production meetings. Um, how about the red line? <laughs> how about how about the red line? Like the injury to Gasecki oh boy. in the tackling drill. That would be my. That's. I think they should do away with the red line. You're on the red line. Get thing again. rid of the tackling drill. Somebody always gets hurt. Yeah, I think they actually uh, escaped that a little bit because there was a day there where people were wrapping up Ramondre Stevens' ankles, twisting him to the turf, and I'm like, what? And this was pre. You didn't even have Zeke as a backup yet. I'm like, what are you doing? Your offense goes down the crapper if that guy misses the first month and a half or worse of the season. So. I would say that's an interesting observation is just the mixed messages of modern training camp where it's so easy, it's so light. Even this week, for example, they were scheduled to have two joint practices with the Titans, which probably would have been, you know, three or 400 snaps of padded competitive action. 
and they get rid of that, and now we're doing an hour and 15-minute shells, three-quarter speed work at Gillette Stadium for two days leading into the, the preseason finale. So these mixed messages of what a modern NFL training camp and practice preparation is, like, okay, we brought back goal line and we have live tackling, and then there's just so many extended periods of non-competitive action. It's, it's a very strange um, preparation process, I'd say, these days. Some of it's from the CBA. Some of it is from, I guess, modern load management and Belichick sort of bowing down to sports science and all that. But there's also a part of me that wonders what happened to the days of football players play football this time of year. And to get ready to play football, you need to play football. Like you, you can't practice in shorts and T-shirts and be ready to go out and have inhumane collisions as gladiators. Like there's a, there's a divide there. And I still think that's an annual uh, figuring it out, working through process. So you, you know what, that's definitely a thing. The other thing I was I was curious about is uh, I wonder if Bill thinks that he's kind of lost control of the don't have any fights. Like I'm going to kick you out. Like oh. I, I wonder if it's sometimes I feel like yeah, it's all well and good till somebody's pride you know gnaws away at the back of their head and they don't care what Bill thinks. I, and I feel like around the league they've lost control. No question. And, but I don't care about around the league. Around the league, a lot of times they didn't have control because, you know, Mike McDaniel's five foot five and a second year coach. And what, who, who is he to tell me what to do? I'm a professional. I'm a badass MFer. Well, Bill Belichick used to control that. It was very simple. You, everyone feared him, right? Like you feared him. You feared for your security, your job. You didn't fight. You knew if you fought, you were out immediately. You'd hear about the whole thing. And now I, I do wonder, and I believe it was Gronk who posed that on Rob Ninkovich's podcast, like, has Bill lost control? And I think he was referencing the Holdins and the Judons and the Trent Browns. But I think you could ask, a, has he lost control the other way in terms of fighting and scuffling and guys not fearing for their lives to the point where they won't get suckered into that? Because I agree with you. It's hard to not push and shove and fight on a football field, especially against another team and everything that's going on. But We've seen more of it now in New England than we've ever seen before. And is that a coincidence that Bill has less of a veteran roster, less of guys that have been around and won titles with him and done it his way? Is he just getting further from that, that core control of the locker room when you're, you know, you have Matthew Slater, you have David Andrews, but you're starting to, to cut away at your leadership group and that experienced group. I think it's a fair question to be asked. I'm sure some Patriots fans are like, Bill would never lose control. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest. Well, he's also 71 years old, and it's a different time with different athletes. I also think the athletes evolving. I've used the phrase of Christian, and even with you, Andy, when we were bickering over Judon, the whole player empowerment. There used to be an era, well, sorry, until maybe 2018 in the NFL, it was shut up and do what you're told. And now I think yep. NFL athletes are starting to realize that they have a little bit of a voice too. It's just how far are they allowed to push in any given organization? Right. And, and I think there's a layer of that that's also like mental health and, and mind control and control of people and fear. And, you know, I don't know if you guys watched um, any of the Swamp Kings the documentary on the University of Florida that's on Netflix now. Um, I watched it last night, and I enjoyed it. It's definitely whitewashed, and it's definitely a uh, sort of romanticized version. But 
the program that Urban Meyer was running, I mean, they had mat drills where guys were wrestling while coaches slapped them in the face till somebody passed out or puked. I mean, it'd be a fireable offense immediately if that happened these days. It is a it is a different world, and I think the coaches for survival, guys like Bill, have to adjust. Wait, is that uh, wrong? We're <laughs> so, like, okay, and, uh, and, and where's right? the problem there, yeah, right. Andy? <laughs> you said, wait, did you? I saw your tweet. Yeah, it, it was. They left a lot out. Uh, you should watch uh, the was it BS uh, University, whatever that one is that you talked about. That's the one you want to watch, where the IMG Academy goes against the the fictitious uh, high school oh, football uh, team, Bishop Sycamore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wait, so yep, you said they had yep. a mat drill? Well, like we're talking about like a wrestling mat where they sat there and tried who's toughest and they just wrestled each other. Absolutely, they would just pick two players. All the other players were circled around, and there were other coaches. Um, and they would basically have to wrestle until somebody tapped out or threw up or was choked out. And literally, there were like strength coaches. You'd have somebody in a chokehold. They're slapping him, or they're slapping you in the face while you're wrestling. It was one of the more ridiculous things what? I've ever seen. Uh, that like, is and, so like 1990s. Yep. I don't even think I yep. saw yep. that, that in the, the 2000s. That. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Let's remember, uh, Jack Del Rio put a log and an axe in his locker room once in the NFL. Well. Yep. No. Yep. I never heard of anything. Right. I've never. I've seen some pretty stupid things coaches do. That is next level. Stupid. Oh, listen, that's next week's hard knocks after uh, Dopey Sala <laughs> gave his big speech and stuff like that. Oh. Have you been watching that hard? Did you consume any of the uh, the latest from Robert Sala on the four types of competitors that he's looking for? I have not seen that, but uh, Gresh, it pains me to say this. I'm kind of with you. If, if the Jets fail, it's all on Robert Sala, and I don't. I think they have all the talent in the world, but you still need you know men to be led, and he's the leader. And I have doubts about that. Leader. Well, you would get all. I mean, if you've seen all the pep talks and all the all the motivational speeches and the four keys, the four levels of competitors. You've never, you don't know. Yeah. I'm putting you as number one. I'm putting you as a survivor. Andy Hart would be with me. We would be the ones walking out of there snickering, going, what an idiot. <laughs> I think Andy would be all about this life. You would influence him the wrong way. Too. You would, see, you would let Andy, this is stupid, right, Andy? And you'd be like, well, yeah, fine. It's stupid. Even though you really thought it was cool. You'd, be, you'd let yeah, Greg influence like, you the wrong Harden way. Harden and I would be snickering to the point oh, to where you would, you would, he be, would, Andy would be on my side. No, he just no said way. it. Nah. We're Team Hardo all I the way. I, I think I would be Team Hardo. I was watching uh, both Tim Tebow last night and Brandon Seiler, the linebacker, and he was, like, eating up everything Urban Meyer did. He was like, I, I came here to play football. I came here to be chat. Like, he ate up every drill. Every They lifted from midnight to 2 in the morning every night and, like, had war paint on while they did it, and Brandon Seiler ate it all up. And I, I kind of think I would have been eating it up with Tebow. Until you were uh, three and five, and then being like, "All right, this doesn't work, coach. Yeah, right, this ain't working. Get the hell out of here with this." Oh, yeah, I mean, um, isn't that how everything works? As, as long as you win, you're fine. And when you, yeah. if you lose, no matter what you do, it's not oh, good. Oh, I would disagree. I think the Lions players somehow stayed engaged with Dan Campbell all throughout the year last year, that was and there, and he is hard. I mean, Th- that was a that that he's is the, the most he's the president of story. Hardo. Yeah, that's amazing. That's I mean, actually I can't. We should do a whole segment on that. How well, did they stay engaged they with that corniness? Challenge. Yeah, but now, now they face the biggest challenge because they have expectations. People are picking them to to go to the playoffs, take the next step, and this is the hardest part in that 
uh, developmental journey, and I bet they fall on their faces because their quarterback is soft as puppy poop. There you go, brother. All right, uh, Andy Hart with us on the Harbor One Hotline. He'll be uh, breaking everything down on WEEI.com. And, of course, the Breaking Boston podcast, the uh, Six Rings podcast, the Six Rings postgame show, and any other way that Ken Laird can get Andy Hart on the air. Hart, thank you, brother. Thanks, buddy. You guys want to meet at the gym at midnight with war paint on? You guys ready for a workout? Is, isn't on that what one of the uh, what isn't that what what's his face Hardo in uh, sync boy does what's his face uh, local kid here singer uh, oh uh, Marky Mark the, Marky Mark is oh, that what Marky Mark, Mark does yeah he's as much Boston as I'm from like uh, Russia it, but it, doesn't he do the whole let's work out at three a.m. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. I'm going to wake well, up at later and get a good one in I, because I'm rested. I prefer the Ben Affleck workout at two a.m. <laughs> Drugs and <laughs> prostitutes. Yeah, right, whatever. Right. Yeah, something All like right. that. All right, Hart. We'll see you, friend. Right, there we go. We'll get Andy out of here before he ends up in uh, trouble. Uh Andy Hart with us on the uh on the Harbor One hotline.